church the God who is so rich in love that he promises us freedom and a life of fullness? He greets you this morning with these words. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Churches, the Lord has so generously greeted us. Let's take time to greet one another. I'll take another hug, Billy. Mm. <laughs> oh, it's because I love you. Yeah, thanks. doing well. How are you doing? Yeah? You've just been on my heart this morning, so I pray the Lord really brings you uh, encouragement today. I don't know why, but you've been on my heart. Yeah. Morning, Marty. Good. Well, you? You're managing? Yeah? Has it been a hard week or month? or? hard about 10 years. Oh, okay. Yeah, do. Good morning.
Lord, it's um, one thing to say that you paid it all. And it's one thing to say that we are white as snow, but Lord, sometimes it's really hard to feel like you paid it all. And it's really hard to feel like we're white as snow. So Lord, as we um, continue to, to worship you, would you speak to our hearts? Would you draw forth those areas that don't feel like it's all been paid, those areas that don't feel white as snow? Lord, would you help us to be those who walk in your victory and walk in your freedom? Amen. You may be seated. Um, at Gold Avenue Church, we are we are those who love to ask the Lord to work and cooperate with the Lord in His work, and then we celebrate how we've seen Him at work. And so, um, we like to take some time to share testimony, to share stories of how we've seen the Lord at work in this last week. And so, I'm wondering if anybody would like to start us off with a testimony, Billy. So I got a couple of things to share. Um, Wednesday we did that prayer night and that was beautiful. I actually learned something new, how to pray over people and help people and all that. Um, then Thursday I went to Grand Haven by myself, um, walked all the way to the end of the pier. And this guy comes with a whole bunch of kids, just little kids. And I was doing a live Facebook video and... I was, he was like, you. So, anyways, I um, I told him I was like, on the count of three, let me hear you say, with God, anything is possible. And on the count of three, it was beautiful. I've heard twenty to thirty kids plus the guys say, with God, anything is possible. It was just so beautiful, and I'm just so thankful. So we praise the Lord that Billy is filled to overflow. With the joy of the Lord, and what Billy's referencing is Wednesday night prayer walking, right? And so. A plug, as per usual, you are invited to prayer walk the neighborhood. Lindsay, I'll come hiking. Um, just as we were walking to church this morning and just in um, the heart of what the Lord's already been um, speaking us to us this morning, that he paid it all and that we're washed white as snow, as we were Walking here, um, we walked past a church, and there's a big statue of Jesus on the cross. And um, Ember, as we drove, as we walked past, she said, "Why is Jesus still on the cross when he's alive?" And uh, I just thought that was a prophetic word going into this morning um, that she even was able to see that yes, he he paid it all on the cross, and he died um, on the cross, and he's alive. Um, and to stand in that victory, um, that was a sweet word that she didn't even know that she shared this morning that brought encouragement to us. We praise the Lord for truth from the mouth of babes. Yeah. Is there maybe one more testimony to share this morning? Evan. So I went up to uh, Resurrection Life Church in Big Rapids yesterday for an event called the School of His Presence. And it was all about sitting still in adoration of Jesus, just spending all day fixing our attention on Him, worshiping Him, giving thanks to Him, letting Him love on us as we just expressed our love to Him. 
And it was incredible. We had, I don't know, 80, 100 people, I think, in this room. And we started the morning with this slow, quiet worship as all of us just began to quiet our hearts and turn our hearts to the Lord. And the rest of the day was just adoring him, loving him, seeing him for what he is, beautiful, kind, gentle. And he just ministered to so many people in that space as we just enjoyed his presence. And it was bliss. <laughs> so we praise the Lord that he promises us that when we draw near to him, that he draws near to us. Um, as we transition into a time of family prayer, um, we're actually going to start off by praying together for Derek and Heather Sternberg and their family, if they'd like to come join us. Um, so many of you know that Derek and Heather are expecting a baby and we have been praying for this baby off and on throughout this whole pregnancy. Um, and Derek and Heather are actually going in to be induced tonight. Correct. I'm going to let her get up here. Sorry, Derek. <laughs> Heather, is there anything else that you'd like to share about where you're at before we pray for you? Um, yeah, we just are heading in tonight and not totally sure of um, really what's going on. There's like, probably she's okay, but she's just kind of too little. And at this point, they've just said it's better for her to be out than in, I think they keep saying. <laughs> so <clears throat> they've watched her very closely the last two weeks and are very hopeful of the outcome. So we are also, and um, I think this morning praying that um, his resurrection power would be our hope and our joy, even walking into the hospital room with some unknowns. All right, so um, we're going to start family prayer by praying for Derek and Heather and their family. And if you feel so, feel so led to come up, and um, can we all lay hands on y'all, love on you? And then after that, I'll transition us into family prayer time where we are all invited to pray as the Lord leads. So Lord, we, um, we thank you for the love that you have for your children. So Lord, would you help us to know how to pray for them? Lord, we thank you that you, you promise us, I'm always with you. I'm always with you. And we pray that Derek and Heather, Asher and Isla and baby would know your presence with them as the family goes into the hospital tonight. And that your presence would bring peace.
think of the immeasurably great power. Pray you open our eyes to see and understand that immeasurably great power in this family. God, that power to praise you in the midst of the storm. God, that power to look to you and enjoy you in the midst of something really difficult. But Lord, your power to heal in the storm. God, to make whole that which is broken. Thank you, Lord, that you are, are going to be not only present, but that they will feel your presence right here in that room this evening, and that you will guide each one that participates in any way for the perfect spirit mm -hmm. child. Lord, we thank you that you are strong when we are weak. And so, would you bless the Sternbergs to feel your strength and your tremendous peace and your joy. Mm -hmm. Amen. 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 Yeah. Amen. Thank you guys. And so, Lord, as we um, transition to continue to pray for your kingdom to come, so we continue to meet with you, to praise you, and to ask you, Lord, you love to give good gifts to your children. Would you continue to guide us to pray?
Lord, I echo Evan's prayer. Your word says that we who contemplate your glory are being transformed from glory to glory. And so, Lord, would you both make us those who spend much time contemplating your glory, your love, your power, your goodness, your faithfulness. And through that contemplation, Lord, would we radiate your spirit, would we radiate your presence, your love, your truth, wherever you put us.
Lord, we do pray that, that you will speak and that you will keep speaking and that you will give faith to each one of us to believe what you say about your church and about us because we believe that your word is true and that the earth will one day be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God like the waters cover the sea. And you say that you've given us a role in that, that we are a kingdom of priests, people who minister the truth of God, the presence of God, the life of God. And so, Lord, would you speak now, renew our minds, and as the song said, help us grasp the height of your plans for us. Amen. Well, friends, uh, I won't tell you where to look up the scripture passage this morning because it's going to be on the PowerPoint. I'm going to be preaching from four different short scriptures together. So, let's start here. If you have been around this church for any period of time, Isaiah 61, 1-3 is a scripture passage that you've heard many times. So, it's a prophetic word that Isaiah speaks about Jesus, and he talks about when Jesus comes, the Spirit of the Lord will be upon him. He'll be anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to bring comfort to those who mourn, to lift off despair from people, to replace it with garments of praise, and that he'll replace mourning and ashes with the oil of joy, and he will make this group of people into an oaks of righteousness. This beautiful passage about the ministry of Jesus that also becomes the ministry of the church. But what we haven't often noticed or talked about in this congregation is what comes next. And I want to read verse 4 really quickly. They, meaning the recipients of Jesus' ministry, will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Let me read that again. They'll rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That is a really high calling. That we who are the recipients of Jesus forgiveness, his ministry, his life are going to be used by him to restore and renew places that have been devastated. I can think of a few of those. How about you? There's no shortage of places that have been devastated and that continue to be ruined. And God says our calling is to be those who work with him to bring restoration. That is a high calling. And it's my observation that we, that no Christian will step into that calling without a firm, firm grasp on their identity in Jesus Christ. What it means that they died to an old life, they were brought into a new life, and what they receive from Jesus as Savior when they receive not only His forgiveness, but His Spirit. 
And so we're preaching a short series on identity in Jesus Christ. And we began that last week by preaching on Gideon's calling and asking, what happens when God calls you a name that you don't believe about yourself? God came to this man who saw himself as the weakest of the weakest of the weak and said that he was a mighty man of valor. And he commanded him to go in the strength that he had and to lead and deliver his people, God's people. And we said that for Gideon to be able to do that and for each of us to be able to do the things that God calls us to do, that there needs to be faith. There needs to be this willingness and this ability to take God at his word when he looks at us and calls us something that we don't like Gideon push back and argue and resist but we do what God in the end gave Gideon the grace to do and that was to say yes Lord what you say is true and so for the next seven weeks we're going to begin saying Lord what do you say about me What do you say about us? What is true about us? And I guarantee you that none of it will be new. But that all of it is something that each one of us needs to hear and to go deeper into because the scripture tells us we need to build our lives in Jesus Christ. We need to be rooted and grounded in what he says about us, not what the culture says about us, not what our experiences say about us, not what our parents say about us, not what we say about ourselves, but in what Jesus Christ says about us. So, would you flip the screen please, Mark? We're going to read four short scriptures And we'll see what the Lord says about us this morning. Galatians 5.1, Paul writes to the church and he says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Flip. This is Jesus speaking. Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Paul writing to the Romans, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. That's the divine exchange we talked about last week. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image 
with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. The Word of God. Anybody want to hazard a guess at what the Lord says to us this morning? Freedom. Freedom. You're free. I'm set free. It's the first foundational piece of our identity that we're going to be talking about this morning. So, there was a movie that came out about 20 years ago called Shawshank Redemption. And it told the story of a man by the name of Andy Dufresne who was uh, convicted wrongfully of the murder of his wife. And he ended up in prison. And uh, the story for most of the film follows his journey in prison where he makes a couple of friends. And one of his friends is an older man by the name of Brooks. Brooks has been in prison for probably around 40 years by the time Andy meets him. And uh, Brooks becomes the prison librarian. He's the one who takes people's book requests and brings the book cart and hands them out. And he's much loved by everybody. And about 10 or so years into Andy's time in prison, Brooks is released uh, after being in prison for 50 years. And the film follows Brooks' journey as he then makes his way to a transitional home and he is given a job and he begins to work that job and you see the strangest thing happen for Brooks. He cannot get used to life outside of prison. He cannot get used to the concept that he's no longer told what to do by other people, that he's no longer behind bars, that he's no longer under the control of somebody else. And in fact, his ability to, inability to get used to it is so all-consuming that he ends up hanging himself, taking his own life. It's tragic. What we see in that story is that a person can be free in fact, but not really fully free. What we see in that story is that freedom isn't just a measure of where we are. It's not just a measure of location, but it's a change that happens not just outside of us, but that happens on the inside of us. That there's a shift that needs to take place in how we think and how we feel and how we act. And when we open scripture, we've got another tragic illustration of what this looks like when we look at the people of Israel in the Old Testament. Now, I want to remind us that Paul says to the Corinthians, everything that's been written, everything that happened in the past and has been written, has been written for your benefit. So that you can see it and you can grow through it. So we look back at the the, the people of God in, in Israel and we see that they've been in slavery, in bondage for 400 years. And they call out to God and God says, I'm going to deliver you. And he sends a a deliverer. He calls Moses in and Moses confronts Pharaoh. And after a long series of back and forth where God pours out these plagues on the 10th plague where where the, the firstborn in all of Egypt is killed, finally Pharaoh releases them and they are leaving Egypt, plundering the Egyptians, taking things with them, and they get to the Red Sea, and 
their enemies behind them. And oh no, what now? And God moves miraculously and he opens the sea and the entire enemy that has oppressed them dies. The enemy's defeated. Okay? Think about the cross of Jesus Christ. They go through the waters of baptism and they come out the other side into this new life of freedom where their enemy has already been defeated. And there's a giant worship service. They are praising the Lord. You might say it's Sunday and they're full of the Holy Spirit. God has been so good. He delivered us. Woo! Praise the Lord. And on Wednesday, three days later, their hands aren't in the air anymore. They're not praising the Lord anymore. Now they're grumbling. And now they're whining. And they're blaming. And they're getting angry with Moses. And they're scapegoating him. Well, what happened to Sunday? What happened to freedom? God's amazing. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. It's only three days later. It's only the middle of the week. What happened? What happened is, they're out of Egypt, but Egypt's not out of them. They're out of slavery, but the slavery, the bondage mentality, the way of thinking and acting and feeling is not out of them. They have not come fully into their inheritance, which is that they've been claimed, saved, delivered by a Father God who's always got water for them, who's always got provision for them, who's always knows where He's taking them. You can be free, in fact, but not fully free. And friends, this is our story too. It's a story of every one of us in one way, shape, form, or another. Jesus says to us, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Be fully free. And yet if we're honest with ourselves, we struggle with these things. Many of us struggle with shame. It's this sense of unworthiness of unacceptability. It's, we just can't understand how, how God or others could really love us, could like us, could accept us. There's a quote that I read this week that I think maybe many of us could relate to. It's from a teacher and an author uh, who's with the Lord now by the name of Louis Smedes. And Smedes writes this. He says, Guilt was not my problem as I felt it. What I felt most was a glob of unworthiness that I could not tie down to any concrete sins I was guilty of. What I needed more than pardon was a sense that God accepted me, owned me, held me, affirmed me, and would never let go of me even if he was not too much impressed with what he had on his hands. Shame or a sense of unacceptability, 
something that many of us wrestle with. We don't often wake up in the morning with the feeling in our hearts and the assumption in our minds, I am loved and all who I meet should love me and accept me. Guilt is also something that we wrestle with. It's a sense of not good enoughness. I can never measure up fully. Some of us thank God for his sins. Think about Sunday and Wednesday again. Thank God for his sins on Sunday and then we just try really, really, really hard to to be good enough. And how would you know if that was you, that you were trying so hard to be good enough from maybe a wrong motivation? Well, when you sin, you feel like God must be really angry with me. God must, God, God's face must not be shining on me anymore. God must be really displeased. God must take his favor away from me. You feel separated from God when you sin, when you make a mistake. Friends, that's not the gospel. That's not freedom. The gospel doesn't tell us that when we sin and fall, God separates himself. It, the gospel says there's no more separation. So guilt is something that many of us wrestle with. How else would you know you struggled with guilt? Well, maybe if you, you you did the spiritual disciplines like prayer and Bible study because you did them out of a sense of duty is a good way of putting it. You did them because you ought to, because you should, because they're right, but you didn't you weren't doing them because you loved to be with God. Because you loved the one who loved you and who set you free. The motivation for doing them flows from a place of needing to do something to earn or be right or impress. Sometimes we're just trying to impress God. Sometimes we try to impress other people. Sometimes we try to speak in the right way so that other people will hear that we're spiritual enough or that we know enough about the Bible. These are all places where we can lack freedom. Fear. When we're afraid of failing, when we're afraid of making mistakes, when we're afraid of the future, when we're afraid of people discovering that we're not as spiritual on the inside as we project on the outside. Someone might say, I'm afraid of being discovered as a fraud. That's not freedom, that's bondage. What are other ways that we experience a lack of freedom? Living with heaviness. Living with feelings of insecurity. Striving for the acceptance of others. I've got to dress the right way. I've got to cook the right way. I've got to decorate my home the right way. I've got to... You fill in the blank. I've got to be something or do something. That's not freedom. Comparing ourselves to others and then rejecting a part of ourself that doesn't measure up. That's not freedom. Looking at others' success and struggling with jealousy. That's not freedom. Feeling like It's hard to be in situations where we feel like we're not in control. 
That's not freedom. You see how big freedom is. It starts with guilt being removed, but that that freedom, that newness that Jesus gives us, that acceptance really is supposed to flow into every area of life. There ought to be a lightness and joy in our spirit. Paul says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness, God straightens out our lives. He gives us his righteousness and then calls us to grow into it. Peace and joy. I'm accepted. I'm right. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And yet so many of us experience freedom in fact, but not fully free. And so Jesus says to us again this morning, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. You'll be free fully. If the Son sets you free, if the Son took you into His family through faith, if you became a son or a daughter because you've got faith in Jesus, you'll be free indeed. Not just in fact, but indeed. You will experience freedom. It will become yours. And so that's why Paul says to the church, look, freedom is what Christ died to give us. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Where the Spirit of God is at work, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of God is in your heart, there ought to be freedom. The Gospel announces to us that there is an all-sufficient, all-encompassing freedom. Freedom from all guilt, all shame, all fear, all attempting to impress to be something that we're not. Freedom! Amen! Thank you, Lindsay. Freedom! Freedom! Doesn't mean we don't go through hard things. Really hard things. Losses, pain, rejection. But freedom in the Lord. He is mine and I am His. His banner over me is love. He protects. He cares. He watches over. He strengthens. He gives joy. His joy is my strength. I'm free. And the good news, friends, is that God does not just announce this freedom and say, I hope that you believe this in your heads. He doesn't just announce it to us, in fact, but He leads us on a journey to experiencing that freedom. The Lamb who laid down His life to give us freedom is also the Good Shepherd who says, I'll lead you beside quiet waters. I'll lead you into green pastures. I will restore your soul. I'll restore your mind. I'll restore your emotions. I'll restore those thoughts that you've got that are ungodly and that torment you. I'll restore. I'll restore your heart. I will make it so that you do not have to live worrying about acceptance. I'll restore. I want to read 1 John four eighteen, and ask the question, how does the Good Shepherd restore and how does He lead us beside those quiet waters into those green pastures and into the freedom that He brings? 1 John four eighteen says, 
There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Another translation is, the one who fears has not yet been perfected by love. And that phrase really struck me this week. That love would be something that would perfect us. Maybe another way of talking about the journey of sanctification or of becoming holy, the journey of becoming like Christ, is saying, we let his love perfect us. We let his love perfect us. How do we do that? Well, I think about shepherds and sheep, and I think about when sheep have got something that is hurting or that's wrong. Maybe they've got a bum leg or they've got a cut or they've been scratched and the shepherd needs to rub some ointment into it. Um, They don't get that healing from the shepherd unless they allow the shepherd to come near. Oftentimes when the sheep is hurting, it wants to run away and hide. But the shepherd has got to be allowed to rope or bring that sheep in. And then the sheep has got to stop flailing And the shepherd's got to be able to see what hurts, to see what's wounded, to see what's not free. And the shepherd's got to be allowed to rub his ointment into that area. So the Lord calls us, if we recognize areas in our hearts and our lives where we are not free, he calls us to welcome him, to ask him to tend to those areas. And... He calls us to bring those places that we keep hidden out into the light. And then he helps us to follow a biblical example of how healing comes. I want to look back. To, I want to ask again, how does this happen when we're inhibited, when we lack freedom, that God brings us to a place of freedom? How does it happen? And I want to go back to that Exodus passage because it's laid out there. The entire New Testament is foreshadowed in the Old. It is the most beautiful thing. You look at when the angel comes to Moses and to the people of Israel, and he, he speaks and he says, the, the Lord's going to come and he is going to um, strike down the firstborn and, and he's going to deliver you. And this is how he's going to deliver you. And he gives this command, you need to take this lamb a young lamb and you need to slaughter it and you need to take the blood and paint it on the doorpost. There's two elements here that are really essential. One, there's a word that God's spoken that needs to be believed. If they don't believe God that an angel's coming and he's going to deliver them after ten times of being stuck in bondage, you might imagine... They've asked, Lord, when is this going to change? Some of us have said, Lord, when is my experience going to change? When am I going to stop feeling these emotions? When am I going to stop viewing myself this way? When am I going to stop being stuck in this sin pattern? When am I going to stop this? When is this going to stop in my life? It's gone on for so long. Ten times Moses has gone up and come down, and ten times he's changed their mind, and they've not been released. I imagine faith at this point would have been really hard. But God spoke a word and he said, I am the Lord and I will deliver you. And this is how you need to participate. The first thing is 
faith in and obedience to the word of God. They took him at his word. God spoke. We believe him. It's no use asking God to heal and change and not going to his word and saying, Lord, what do you say? And taking that word and meditating on that word and taking that word inside and saying, praying, Lord, make it true. Lord, change me. Believe faith in the word of God. Believe the word of God when he speaks it. What's the second element the Lord gives? The covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. That this blood is sufficient for the deliverance, the complete deliverance of anyone who's underneath it. Anyone who has the blood applied and has faith in that blood. When we struggle, and I want to speak specifically about sin right now. I'm speaking about freedom widely, but I want to narrow it back and go down to sin. Because we all sin, and we all struggle with sin in unique ways. We've all got unique, for some of us, it's lust. For some of us, it's spiritual laziness. For some of us, it's pride. For some of us, it's apathy. For some of us, it's controlling. For some of us, it's being critical. We've all got our unique sin struggles. And when we struggle with them, remember that Satan comes, what's his name? He's the accuser of the brethren. He's the accuser of our souls. And he wants to come along and he wants to say, you're never going to get unstuck. This is your identity. And you all know the feeling of when you're falling back into a particular sin pattern, how feelings of awfulness come alongside of it. Like, man, I'm here again and I just, I can't seem to break this. When you get to that place, it's there that there needs to be faith in the word of God and faith in the blood of God. And so um, I have watched over and over and over again as a pastor, I've watched people grovel in that place and bemoan how bad they are, as though that's a surprise. But as though bemoaning it is going to change anything and bemoaning it and getting stuck in, in the bemoaning is going to bring cleansing and healing. God doesn't say, grovel before me for 24 hours or get on your face for an hour. He says, if you sin, bring it to me and I'm righteous and I'm faithful to cleanse all who ask for forgiveness. 1 John 1, 6 or 9, I can't remember which one. But he says he cleanses, so we take him at his word. And when we struggle, when we sin, we just turn around right away and say, God, I'm sorry, I fell into criticism again. That's my, it's one of my struggles. God, I'm sorry. And then I don't just say sorry. I say, thank you, Jesus, that you wash me and you forgive me. And I don't leave that place. It's like I don't leave the cross. In my mind's eye, if I go to the cross, I don't leave it until I've got lightness and joy in my spirit. That's my inheritance. That's his promise. I am not called to live weighed down. He removed my sin. He broke the curse. Now, am I still a sinner? Yeah. But there's a way out. And the way is the blood applied. Faith in the blood applied. And we've got to learn, like Pastor Jalisa preached a couple weeks ago, when she said, put on the armor, we've got to learn to stand. Paul says, stand when the day of evil comes, or when the moment of evil comes. Well, that comes a lot. Temptation's nipping at the door all the time, wanting to suck me and suck you down into a place of unbelief. And we got to stand on the Word of God and the blood of the Lamb and we speak 
We have faith in that. And there's one more part I want to call attention to. And that's community. We do it together. They, it's really interesting that God did not give them something to do as individuals. He had them apply the blood and eat the meal as a family unit. We're the family unit. And God calls us to share with each other those places where we lack freedom, where we don't live out, where we're free but not really free. We don't live out the identity God's given us. I am set free. Set free equals light, joyful in the Holy Spirit, even though I'm a sinner. And so we have got to be willing to be ongoingly, regularly, transparent. I don't care if you're a brand new Christian or if you're a leader. You've got to be able to say to brothers and sisters, I'm struggling, I need help, I'm I'm in trouble here, I don't know why I'm experiencing this, pray for me. Friends, prayer ministry, I'm pointing at the room where it happens, that room should be full all the time until the new creation. I'm not joking, because in that room is where the elements come together. Believers come around each other with prayer, with the Word of God, with faith, and Jesus moves to set free. Jesus moves to cleanse and to to break bonds. Jesus moves to bring people into the inheritance that He's purchased for us. Sometimes it's a long process. Sometimes there's quick breakthroughs. Sometimes we're praying for something for a while. It was a long period in my life which I just really struggled with insecurity and how could God really love me? And I, and I even into being a pastor. Now, did my mind know the gospel? Absolutely. But when I was honest about my heart. And so for that long period of time, I prayed over myself regularly and invited others to pray. I prayed Paul's prayer in Ephesians 3. I pray, I kneel before the Father in heaven from whom all fatherhood in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell more and more in your heart through faith and that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints, to grasp the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of His love for you and that you may be filled so full that you're overflowing. you filled up to the measure with God. And now to Him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus forevermore. And every time I pray it, I'm strengthened. I want to I want to end here. Let's not just talk about it. Let's let's have Nate and the worship team just play the song that we're about to sing. Thank you Jesus. And let's just tell the Lord um, in our hearts silently. Lord I want more of the freedom that comes in you and the joy. I am set free, but I want to live set free. And, I, and Lord, would you help me to see the ways in which 
I'm inhibited. I'm held back or down. Whether it's from my past and a part of it that I haven't let go, whether it's some way I view myself, whether it's whatever it is, Lord, would you take me on a journey and bring me into the fullness of the inheritance that you've purchased for me. Bring me to my promised land, Lord. Take me through the desert. And so, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you bring and would you minister healing and freedom right now, Lord Jesus? Thank you that you're present. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that your love perfects us, Lord. 